I think that the biggest issue that we're facing is just that so many people have lost their understanding of our dependence and our connection with nature. And I think that farming is probably just one of the greatest manifestations of that disconnection, um, food and farming. I mean, yeah, we've really, really, really done some damage to our environment, obviously. just It really comes down to breaking the cycle of nutrients and of carbon. Hi, folks. Thanks for tuning into the Food Startups Podcast. I am your host, Hema Reddy. On this show, we talk about some incredible journeys, the hurdles, the breakthroughs, the failures, and successes that shape the present and future of the food and beverage industry. So stick around for some exciting and insightful conversations. Hi, folks. This is episode 167 of the Food Startups Podcast. And the guest today is Annie Martin from Kiss the Ground, a nonprofit organization that is doing some phenomenal work on educating and raising public awareness about regenerative agriculture. And the organization has an impressive list of a board of directors and advisors leading some amazing work. In all honesty, I did not know much about regenerative agriculture until earlier this year. And it so happened that a few weeks ago, Annie had reached out to me after she read an article that I wrote on LinkedIn. We have been in contact since, and once I started doing this podcast, it made total sense to have her come back on the show and share some of her thoughts about what is Regen Ag and the impact it can have on reversing climate change. Annie's passions have led her around the world researching child malnutrition, the consequences of industrial farming, and successful soil remediation techniques. Today, Annie is working with consumers, suppliers, and purchasers to drive demand for regenerative products, transition farms to regenerative agriculture, and inspire brands to invest in regenerative supply lines. This is a much-needed conversation, so let's take a listen. So Annie Martin, welcome to Food Startups Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here. When I attended Expo West this year, I walked away with this cloud of, my goodness, you know, what have we done, where we are today? But it's funny because there was also this clarity coming through the cloud that we do have some answers. What we need is execution. So I am so excited to talk about this topic of regenerative agriculture, what your organization Kiss the Ground does towards educating people about what regenerative agriculture is and how can they get started. And most importantly, start the discussion on this topic. So I am really looking forward to what we're going to talk about today. But before we go ahead and get into the details of what it is all about, I want to start with, as Simon Sinek puts it, your why. Have you always been interested in environmental issues and related topics? Because I was thinking about it the other day. How does one get out of college and decide to become an activist? Mm, That's a good question. So I was really fortunate growing up. Both my parents are physicians. And so after the 2010 Haiti earthquake, we they both spent a long lot of time in Haiti volunteering. And I got to go with them on a few of those trips. And it was in Haiti that I really saw the connection between environmental degradation and human health and ultimately suffering. 
Many of the people in some of the towns in Haiti where we were living were suffering from malnutrition and even starvation. And most of that had to do with the fact that those soils were so degraded in that area that it had become almost impossible to grow food. So there was these really poor communities and they couldn't afford to buy food and they also weren't able to grow their own. And it left them in a really, really difficult situation. And a lot of that is due to the fact that there was so much deforestation that occurred and then hundreds of years of plantation farming that ultimately really destroyed the environment in some of these areas. And that was a really big light bulb moment for me because I grew up in Iowa. And so I grew up surrounded by conventional corn and soybean fields. I have family members that own conventional farms, and I saw the way that when it rained, we suffered mass erosion, and I saw the ways that pesticides and herbicides were killing microorganisms and, in fact, contaminating a lot of our water sources. So seeing Haiti was sort of this light bulb moment of, oh my gosh, this is the way that we're headed if we continue utilizing industrial farming practices. So I very quickly, after my time in Haiti, got involved in agroecology and this concept of regenerative agriculture and building soil and organic practices. So yeah, I was really lucky in that I had this kind of startling experience that I don't think I'll ever forget. And it was just this really empowering, really motivating experience. Well, thank you for sharing that. And how did you find out about Kiss the Ground? Could you share a little bit about Kiss the Ground, what it does? and the difference it's making today. Yeah, so Kiss the Ground is a nonprofit. We're based in LA, and we've primarily been focused on consumer education. So how do we spread the word around the United States and ultimately the world about the power of regenerative agriculture, not just to build soils and produce healthy food, but also to reverse climate change? So in the past, we've done a lot of documentaries. We actually have a full-length documentary coming out in August. We've also started working with farmers. We're trying to put together a scholarship program that can help train farmers in regenerative practices. We have a middle school curriculum that just came out, and we're working with small natural foods products brands, helping to provide them with resources and case studies, helping them redevelop their supply lines, just really trying to facilitate and move this movement forward however we can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're really excited Kind of have a lot of different projects going. But this movement is really, really taking off. So we're just excited to be kind of in the middle of it. Right, right. So at this point, I think it'll be a you know, good idea to share with the listeners what's happening right now. A lot of us are just getting on with, the, with our lives, our jobs or projects and whatnot, be it in the food industry or be it just a consumer living on this planet Earth. But what I have realized and discovered after I started learning more and more about where we are today in terms of climate change or the damage done to the environment and the few efforts that are going on in climate change is shocking. I mean, we as human civilization have broken the regenerative loop of life via decades of bad farming practices. We've destroyed the balance of carbon. We are burning fossil fuel for energy. We're pumping carbon into the environment. And the sad thing is, I guess our ocean life is the first one that's getting affected. It's almost like a mass extinction. I was watching one of the videos on your website on, on Kiss the Ground. 50 billion pounds of mineral-rich food material goes to the landfill. So we're really talking about carbon dioxide accumulation in the environment. But we're also talking about the food that's going into the food base that's going to the landfill, giving rise to methane gas 
which is 86% more potent than carbon dioxide. So it's multiple kinds of harmful gases ruining the environment, global warming and whatnot. It is a hot topic. But we as food manufacturers now have a position we can take. We can actually make a difference in solving this. It's not only about good for you products. It's about how is the product healing planet Earth, which is a very interesting point to be at, interesting time to be at. I mean, is it really decades of bad farming practices that has gotten us here? Is there anything else that we're missing in terms of how we got here? I think that the biggest issue that we're facing is just that so many people have lost their understanding of our dependence and our connection with nature. And I think that farming is probably just one of the greatest manifestations of that disconnection, food and farming. But I mean, yeah, we've really, really, really done some damage to our environment, obviously. It really comes down to breaking the cycle of nutrients and of carbon. You have CAFOs on one hand and you have industrial farms on the other, and both of them represent really broken nutrient and carbon cycles. So the whole concept of Region Ag is that you are constantly recycling nutrients um, and actually pulling carbon back down, and you're keeping green cover over the land. And to talk about a little bit about businesses, like you mentioned I'm really excited to see the innovations that are happening in the business world right now with regards to regenerative ag and its potential to reverse climate change and also protect our food supply. Businesses are some of the most innovative, nimble, creative entities that we have. And I think that maybe in the past, business was part of the problem. And I think now we're really seeing that business is one of the solutions, if not the solution. Let's talk about that for a minute. When you say reverse climate change, I had the opportunity to watch a full movie at Expo West, but just for the listeners, what are we talking about? How can we reverse climate change by good farming practices, by regenerative ag? Yeah, so we're over, I think we're 410 parts per million now in terms of carbon in the atmosphere. We're very quickly approaching kind of the point of no return where you see this positive feedback loop of the planet just continuously heating up. And so what people are real, were realizing was that, okay, carbon emissions reductions isn't enough. We won't be able to stop that point of no, reaching that point of no return. So people started to realize that we really, really, really needed to start thinking about carbon drawdown. It's like we're trying to increase that length of the runway, increase the amount of time that we have to stop carbon emissions. So what they realized was that actually one of the best ways to create carbon drawdown is to actually use photosynthesis and plants. You can actually pull carbon down from the atmosphere through plants and build up carbon in the soil. So there's this new initiative that was proposed at COP21 by France. It's called the 4 per 1,000. And they're saying that if we are able to increase carbon in the soil by 4 points, 4 parts per 1,000, it will be enough to counteract our yearly emissions. So we can actually, just by increasing the carbon in the soil by just a little tiny bit, that completely cancels out our carbon emissions. So yeah, and it's really interesting. I mean, like 20 years ago, it was a theory. You can see on those graphs where they show the amount of carbon dioxide that's going up in the atmosphere. Overall, the graph is an upward slope because we're getting more and more carbon in the atmosphere. But you'll notice that the graph actually dips. It looks like almost like a heart rate monitor. 
And the reason it goes down is because every spring and summer, so many plants grow that it pulls carbon down. And then in the winter, yeah, and in the winter, it pops back up when the plants die in the winter. So you can actually see that the earth is breathing. And if we can, through regenerative agriculture, through reforestation efforts, dramatically increase the amount of green cover, that's actually pulling carbon dioxide down. And then when you build up soil, when you actually bring that carbon all the way down into the soil and conserve that soil and start to build it up inch by inch, you're actually sequestering it. So yeah, we're really discovering that just a little bit of change in our agricultural soils can mean massive amounts of carbon dioxide drawn down from the air into the ground. That is such a beautiful thing to see that when the plants are growing, you see a dip in the carbon dioxide in the environment. And then when they're not, you can see the damage, the accumulation that's happening. Right, right. It's really amazing. I mean, literally, it's like the planet is breathing. Right. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. So you see a graph and yes, the line is continuously glowing up because we continue to emit carbon through vehicles and transportation and all of that. But every summer and spring, there's a little bit dip down, a little dip down. So if we can increase green cover and actually start building the soil back up, yeah, there's a huge potential there. So people are really excited. This is the first viable way we've had to think about carbon drawdown. And there's major pluses. I mean, people are saying we only have 50 to 60 harvests left around the world because of the soil degradation and erosion and desertification that we've seen. So it's this massive win-win in terms of not only are we securing food security and secure supply lines for many of the food product businesses out there, mm -hmm. but we're also helping to reverse or climate change. So I was watching a video where it seems like it's almost as simple. The solution is as simple as planting trees, not tilling the soil, uh, crop rotation, adding compost. And what you're doing is basically helping the atmosphere via just the natural process of photosynthesis, which pumps, takes the carbon from the atmosphere, pumps it into the soil, that builds up the soil, which is more nutrient-dense, healthier, it holds more water, it can survive harsher weathers or droughts. It sounds like a simple process, right? A simple solution then do you think that every farmer understands that simplicity of the solution and is actually excited about implementing it in their farmlands? Or do you see roadblocks that, yes, it's a simple solution, but it'll take time? Like, What do you think, now that we know that this is actually the solution, what is the runway to get to that point where we can reverse climate change? Right. So the practices and technology of regenerative ag aren't new by any means. I mean, a lot of it is indigenous knowledge. A lot of it is historical farming techniques that we abandoned in the Green Revolution. True. So it's not new or revolutionary in that way. It's almost a little bit of a remembering. But yeah, I'd say the biggest challenges we have are convincing farmers that this is the way to go. They were trained for so many years, you know, in many cases by the government to use synthetic chemicals, to use monoculture, to cut down the trees through subsidies. They were encouraged to really damage a lot of the natural ecosystems and to plant as much as you possibly could. There were no incentives for cover crops. They were given this very systematic way of farming. And it's really scary as a farmer when you have pretty low margins to change your practices because if your experiment, so to say, doesn't go well, that could, that could really do some damage on your family's finances. So there's a lot of resistance to changing and to trying new practices out of fear when you're not making much of a profit. 
But the farmers that have made the transition to regenerative practices are seeing really, really amazing things. They're seeing higher yields. They're seeing more resilient cropland to droughts and floods and hail. Um, their cows are healthier. Um, they're also seeing a lot of decrease in input costs. That's been huge. So there's been some farmers in the Midwest that have started to use cover crops. And even without a market for those cover crops, so they're not able to sell those cover crops in any sort of way. It's worth it for them to plant those cover crops because of the massive decreases in input costs they're seeing in terms of synthetic fertilizer and chemicals. So convincing farmers is difficult because it's scary to make a transition. But once farmers switch, they're so happy on seeing up to 60, 70, 100K decreases in costs. Right. So then let's say over time, the farmers get educated, the word spreads, and they start switching over their farming practices. How can food manufacturers like myself, right, we make chicken nuggets and vegetables, and they're called wonder nuggets. And if I want to switch my sources for getting vegetables or poultry over to poultry that's fed regenerative agriculture-based feeds or vegetables that are region ag produced, how does one even start? Like, how do you even identify your supply chain sources to make the switch? Right. So that's something Kiss the Ground is actually working on a lot right now. Um, there are different sorts of training programs. The Soil Health Academy works with a variety of farmers and ranchers, training them in regenerative practices, going out and consulting with them. So they have thousands of farmers at this point that have gone through their program. And they can connect natural foods product companies with their farmers directly. There's also a group called Savory Hub. They work primarily with ranchers. But kind of the same thing, they have this network of ranchers now around the country and ultimately around the world that can be connected with natural food products companies. Ultimately, what we'd love to see is, you know, and there's also co-ops as well. There actually are, there's a couple lentil co-ops up in the West, I want to say maybe Montana. So that's also another option for natural food products companies is connect with co-ops. But we would like to see also, you know, when people step into this space who can help connect and conglomerate product from multiple farmers around the country and, and make it a little bit easier. So food products companies can just connect with kind of a main supplier instead of having to connect with, you know, maybe potentially five or six regenerative farms. So that is a big challenge right now in terms of we're starting to get supply. But now how do we connect that supply to demand? Right. So will you be, and I, I'm sure we'll be able to share all these links and pointers in the show notes after we upload the podcast to iTunes. Yeah, that'll give some direction. So, okay, we are working on supply chain. There's a solution, basically, which is going back to our older way of doing farming and undo the damage that is happening. And at the same time, it is not just food manufacturers and farmers. Everybody can be part of the solution, from what I understand, even the consumers that are part of the problem, which is, and I am counting myself in that, which is food waste, right? 5% of our food scraps get composted, only 5%, which means 95% is going to the landfill. And US, in fact, is the, one of the largest producers of domestic waste. When I go to our school cafeterias or any other place where, say, for example, kids are eating their food and I see the amount of waste that's happening, uneaten apples or fruits or greens that are just straight away going to trash cans, it just saddens the heart. Are you also involved with educating the consumer 
Are there things happening that bring the awareness of composting being such a crucial part of repairing the damage that's happening to our planet? Yeah, so we actually just came out with a short documentary called The Compost Story. It's available for free online. That's been shared around the world, and it's a lot of the teachings are incorporated in our middle school curriculum as well. Composting is huge. I mean, food waste is just a massive loss of resources. I mean, that's really, really valuable stuff that should be going back into our farmlands. So trying to redirect that, I think, would have a huge impact on our greenhouse gas emissions as a nation. So yeah, in terms of education, the compost story, our curriculum, we'd love to see more cities like San Francisco that have mandatory composting. Anything that people can do helps. If you have just a small apartment, looking into vermiculture isn't a bad idea. So you actually use worms, which sounds gross, but you can just have it in a little bucket and there's no smell at all. I mean, it just smells like fresh. I hope you understand that a little bit. What did you just talk about? There's a word that you use. Can you help me understand what that is exactly? Yeah. So what we really encourage is that people that live, because we're LA-based, so most people we know live in small apartments. But even people living in small apartments can participate in composting. And a lot of people try vermiculture. It's V-E-R-M-I culture. So it's based, it's composting, but you're actually using worms as well. So it breaks it down much faster. So you can just have like a little bucket tucked into your closet in your kitchen. And there's no smell associated because the worms just eat up the food really quickly and produce this really rich, dark soil that just, you know, it smells like the forest floor. So we just like to say that everybody can participate in composting, no matter where you live, no matter how small your space, and it dramatically decreases your carbon emissions. That is very fascinating to learn that there is something called vermiculture. So you basically, when you're putting, you put the worms not in your trash can, but in the compost bin, it just breaks down the compost, the worms break down the compost. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So it's just, you know, most people use just kind of like a small bucket. They might even tuck it underneath their sink. And you start with kind of like a layer of newspaper, like cardboard, that kind of things. Maybe add a little bit of dirt and then you can add a few worms. And then from there, you just start adding layers of newspaper or whatever papers you have around and then your food scraps. And the worms will just devour the food and they actually start to create really healthy, rich soil. So yeah, it's kind of amazing. It's, it's sort of like the stink-free, small space solution to composting. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the concerns. I was there recently at a friend's place here in Austin, Texas, and she had a bucket out in the patio where we were collecting compost. And there were two buckets, actually. And one of them was beginning to smell because you're accumulating food scraps, right? Obviously, after a day or so, it's not <laughs> that pleasant. But there's a solution for there, and it's natural. So that's good to understand and hopefully implement in our homes. Yeah, yeah, it's really great. And you can just throw, you know, you can throw a lid on top of the bucket and just poke some holes. So, you know, it's super clean, it's super out of the way, you won't even know it's there. Yeah. And who doesn't like the smell of fresh ground, fresh soil? <laughs> yeah. It's a lot better smell than rotting food, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So you were recently recognized. I mean, I'm not sure if it's recent or not, but talk about the Heart Leadership Fellow recognition. Yeah, so after I graduated from Duke, I was part of the Heart Leadership Program. 
So I was a fellow for them. I moved to Costa Rica for 10 months and I conducted an independent research project there on the changing systems that are happening in Costa Rica. So even 20, 30 years ago, a lot of people were subsistence farmers and fishermen in Costa Rica, and they could pretty much subsist entirely on food produced, grown, hunted, caught in their local community. And that's changing dramatically in that country. Farming's becoming industrialized. There's a lot of commercial fishing. Multinational companies are moving in. So I basically went in to sort of document what was happening and what some of the impacts of that were socially, economically, and environmentally. And it was interesting to see. I mean, essentially, Costa Rica is like 30 or 40 years behind the U.S. in terms of this green revolution movement. And it's interesting to see some of the pushback that's happening as well. I mean, they've seen what's happened in the U.S., so there's a lot of people fighting against it and promoting organic food, promoting more sustainable fishing practices. So it's interesting in seeing how we might fight industrialization of food production in other areas of the country, of the world as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. That That is not just, that the program is not just about how do we uh, reverse the damage in the U.S., but also helping other developing countries or underdeveloped countries not get where we are today in the name of progress or technological advancements. Right. I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to saying maybe we made a mistake. And I think just admitting that we thought this was the way, we thought this would be easier and more productive, and we were wrong. And being honest about that and looking for solutions and then helping other parts of the world that might have started industrializing and are already seeing some consequences of that. And just making sure that we're spreading and promoting a much more harmonious way of living on this planet. Yep, yep. Well, this is all good news. And I just hope that the word spreads like spreads around and people take action. And we are able to get back or we're able to fix all these allergies that we're seeing and the food related health issues that we're seeing, we shouldn't be seeing this. And it's really because the only way we can kind of point a finger back to at least for some of these is just the fact that grains shouldn't be bad, dairy shouldn't be bad, nuts shouldn't be bad. It's bad because we have kind of set foot in the wrong direction or we have implemented practices that have ruined our agriculture, the very source of food that we eat. And hopefully we can undo that damage. So this year has been very inspiring. Started off with the discovery and I decided I wanted to make sure that whatever I can do in a small way, at least have the conversation not just as a food manufacturer, but with the podcast, I was just so thrilled that, okay, I have to bring Annie Martin or and anybody that's involved with Regenerative Ag or being part of the movement to come on the show and share where we are and what can everybody do as, to become part of the solution. So thank you for taking the time today and briefing us and just sharing what the organization does. We'll share some pointers in the show notes. And if you're ever in Austin, just you have to come visit because I guess you love trail running, paddleboarding. And so we have all of that in Austin. So you have to let me know when you visit. <laughs> that sounds great. I would love that. Yeah, we're really excited about regenerative bag. I think it can build soil, it can fortify food security, it can reverse climate change. I think it's going to dramatically improve human health. I mean, there's some interesting data coming out that food allergies might be tied to agrochemicals and its impact on the microbiome. And so I think we're just, we're learning more and more. And this is the first time we've had a really incredible solution. And I'm just really grateful for all the farmers and the food product businesses that are putting a ton of hard work and innovation and more and more consumers are getting educated and really excited about this too. So just really hopeful and optimistic about the future. And I really appreciate everything you've done to kind of help spread the word. 
Absolutely. I mean, it was inspiring. And a lot of people have already taken a stand on it, right? I mean, General Mills is doing it with the farms in Dakota. Is it North Dakota, South Dakota, something like that? Yeah. And Matt Patagonia is doing it as well. Yeah. Dr. Bronner's Patagonia, Mega Food, more and more and more companies are getting on board because not only is it good for the environment, but it's also great for their bottom line in terms of protecting their food supply long term. So yeah, it's a pretty win-win thing. And it's exciting to see so many big players stepping onto the yep, stage. Yep. It gives hope for the smaller players as well, that this is where this is going to be the future. Uh, we need to start educating ourselves and at least start thinking about it, having the right conversations, reaching out to the right organizations and people. And when the time's right, and if it's possible to make the switch and go Regen Ag. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you for your time today, Annie. It was great talking to you. And yeah, have a great rest of the year. And I wish you lots of success with what you're doing. Thank you. And you as well. I really, really appreciate you taking the time today. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Yep. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. If you found value in what you just heard, take a couple of minutes and subscribe to our channel. Even better, show us some love and leave a review on iTunes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Join the mailing list on our website so you can get notified of new episodes and learn how to build and grow your CPG business.